Welcome to the Level Up Artist Podcast. We're your hosts, Adriana M.A. and Jackie Sanders. We're two art professionals sharing forward the advice and business lessons we have learned along our creative journeys. We talk to artists, leaders, and art professionals to demystify the creative process and discover new ways to succeed as a career-minded artist. If you find value in these conversations, please go ahead and subscribe. This will help other creatives like you find our podcast and you'll be notified when we drop a new episode every Tuesday. On today's episode, we're really excited to welcome artist Taylor White. Welcome, Taylor. Ah, thanks so much. Happy to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So we look forward to discussing your career as a muralist, your ever-evolving creative process, how you developed your unique painting style, as well as recording a bonus segment on income streams and pricing for our podcast supporters at LevelUpArtist.com. But real quick, before we dive in, let's go ahead and share a little bit about your background for our listeners who may not be familiar with your incredible work. So Taylor White is an American painter and muralist whose work combines refined techniques of classical training with bright, unexpected color choices born from the residue of street art and pop culture. She was raised in Raleigh, North Carolina, and educated at the Savannah College of Art and Design, completing her BFA in illustration. Upon graduating, she began contributing her efforts to acclaimed Oslo-based advertising agency, Triopt, as the first and only full-time illustrator hired in a Norwegian agency at the time. Three years later, her choice to pursue painting brought her to Australia, where she found a new kind of success, traversing the textures of urban environments, furnishing the streets and galleries of Melbourne with her unique haunting, uniquely haunting expressive portraits of furlough youth. She has exhibited internationally from Melbourne to Berlin, and has worked for Google Fiber to create one of the largest public-facing augmented reality murals in the world. In 2021, she completed Raleigh's second augmented reality mural, 8-Bit to 5G, a tribute to the future of gaming and esports in the city of Raleigh. Clients have included Google Fiber, Hyatt Hotels, Microsoft, Lululemon, AC Hotels by Marriott, and Kane Reality Corp. A very extensive resume and very, very impressive. I always like to fluff it. <laughs> hey, there's no fluffing. These are all real. Um, I especially like that 8-bit um, uh, mural that you have. It's not far from us at Artspace. Oh, yeah. Thank Probably you. Seen it. Yeah, bazillion times. Um, and of course, that was the formal introduction. But Taylor, how would you describe your work to someone who has never seen it before? Oh, my gosh. Uh, like I have a, a mixed background in fine art and illustration. So I think it's like a, a sort of a unique blend of both sensibilities. Um, so you, you'll see some like illustrative graphic storytelling qualities and then like the the like painterly fine art kind of renderings. Um, so it's it's kind of nice, a nice hybrid. It's semi-realistic. I mean, mm -hmm. would you say like there's body parts, if you will, mm -hmm. like realistic, uh, figurative elements mm -hmm. kind of mixed in with some more abstract ones. Yeah. I mean, I think the things that attract me when I'm painting, like, I mean, you know, um, I, I am very gestural when I apply the paint, but I'm also attentive to fine detail. And I think I strive for capturing certain details and and like forms and lights and everything. And so like the success comes when I'm able to get that right, but also have the, the painterly quality still shine forward. Like my brushstrokes are very like individual or individuated when you look up closely but then when you step back it's just kind of like coalesces into this cohesive image so yeah and that's definitely one thing that i really admire about your work it's very dynamic there's a lot of energy and a lot of movement and it's definitely not a cookie cutter application of either of those two very different styles 
to where it's a very unique and recognizable style. Thank you. Um, and especially seeing it at such different scales as well, which we'll talk about a bit later. But I mean, having smaller, let's say under a foot size paintings in a gallery up to large scale murals on the side of a building. And that's a very tricky thing to balance as an artist of, okay, which pieces work on which scale, which is the constant, constant balance. But absolutely. Looking, yeah. But looking back to the beginning of your career, kind of how you, your origin story, so to speak, when did you feel like you could first call yourself a proper artist? Uh, you'll need to define the context a little bit more like proper is in terms of like professionally legitimate or proper in terms of like, I don't know. I guess we say proper art because the word artist means so many different things. Yeah, exactly. People. And so I guess whatever it means to you, I think a lot of the times as creatives, when we are all kids, they're like, oh, like she's like five, six years old. Like she, you're so creative. You're a little artist. But yeah. there's that pivot point of, okay, wait, I can and I'm going to make this an intentional part of my life and whatever yeah. it's like. So what was that pivot point do you feel like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've, I've always been, uh, I've always been highly skilled for my level of development, um, like my entire life. So it's always like, you know, back in kindergarten, elementary school, like they're like, well, don't forget me when you're a famous artist and all that stuff. And that kind of tends to go to your head a little bit when you're, when you're young and, um, but like, you know, everybody's got this, there's artistry and everything and everybody can bring that if they're, if they're gifted, like bring that into their, into their vocation, wherever they can apply it. But like in the traditional, in like the, in the most direct sense, it's like, there are people who are like, I'm an artist and I really want to make a living as an independent sole proprietor. And at a certain point you either, ha you have to like make a decision to either let that go or or enter into like, you know, or lean into it. And so like, I mean, I think for me, it was like, um, you know, the choice between doing commercial illustration, which I did straight out of college and continuing along that path or being like, no, I've, I've got what it takes to like run my own business um, and be consistently paid for it. And so like, I think once I started to be able to do that, that's when I could call myself like a quote unquote proper artist. Yeah, there's definitely that balance of the, modern artists, that entrepreneurship aspect, mm -hmm. which I think is what you're speaking to. It's different from being a working under another company or working the nine to five, but mm -hmm. having that entrepreneur mindset of taking ownership of your work, your style, and maybe working in multiple commercial facets, but it's always, you're working as an independent entity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, like lots of artists will have like, well, like they'll have their their name and the stuff that they put forth as like as their fine art practice or whatever but they'll also be working for like vans or something like that you know they'll, they'll have like a, a full-time job as a designer or or some other kind of vocation at the same time um and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and i think sometimes i can sometimes i admire that i'm like man it'd be great to like turn it all like go into an office and do my design work and then turn it off you know that'd yeah. be awesome but then like um but then like, I mean, a lot of the artists that I kind of came up alongside, you know, would, would end up eventually going into something a little bit more stable. Mm. Um, but then, like, I think that was just like something that I didn't feel, didn't feel called towards, you know, it was just kind of like, this is starting to, this is, the mural thing was starting to pick up. And I was like, well, I'm getting paid to enough to like, live comfortably. And 
it's consistent enough, like the, the requests are consistent enough. And so like, I'm just gonna keep doing this and then give myself a little bit of space to, you know, do other things that aren't <laughs> art. So I love that you had the confidence like pretty early on to just be like, I'm just going to give this a shot and see what happens and give yourself a good old fair chance to try it as an independent. Because honestly, being a self supported or self-employed artist is not for the faint of heart. Oh, um, sure. I mean, sure not. Yeah. <laughs> There's no yeah. consistent paycheck. Um, mm -hmm. So it is unless you have a support system of some sort, then it can be really, really tough. But I do want to ask you kind of diving back um, into your history a little bit. How did you develop your unique style and painting technique? Like where did that, is that something that started at SCAD or some of it started earlier on or? I actually don't, I actually don't think my painting style as it is known today developed until like way later, like 2015. I think like my, the first time I like kind of developed the paint stroke technique that I still use, like was like 2015, which was like five years into my career or five years into my like independent artist career. Um, so bef before that, you know, there's like a lot of, a lot of, uh, like feeling around and trying to figure out what works and learning how to use the tools. Like I didn't know how to use, I didn't know how to use a, like when I first started, I didn't know how to like paint with color, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, I was doing like black and white illustrations and then sort of scaling. And I was messing around, like doing digital work, like really early on and stuff like that. But then I was also messing around with painting on a larger scale but like I didn't have the bandwidth to to be like painting on a big scale and also painting with color mm -hmm. so yeah that's like, a lot of variables at one time yeah. so is that just like um practice and trial and error practice, or you 100%. Have mentors? yeah mm -hmm. yeah I learned quickly how to like use spray paint um and then uh you know that was a little bit of a learning curve too but um mm -hmm. but then yeah, I don't know. It just kind of like it, you just keep doing it and it clicks in eventually. Yeah. Plus yeah. things like mural paints, not all of them can be mixed as well. Cause I know a lot, I know other muralists that will use house paints and they're like, mm -hmm. you can't mix them. You have to get it from the store or the colors go dull. It's yeah. It is quite hard to mix. I mean, you can, I, I can and have and do mix house paint, but it's, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you think you're going to try to be precise about it. It's just kind of like, if I need the value to be different or if I need the, the hue to be different, like I can mix house paint and I'll get that effect. It just won't be like the specific precise color that I'm looking for, but placed next to another color, it will relate. You know what I mean? You know. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done plenty of murals where I'm like, I just need, like, I don't have the uh, budget to go out and buy a bunch of new paints. So I'm just going to mix all the colors that I have in my studio. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, the colors look brownish and gross, but like up on the wall at scale, when viewed from afar, it did, you know, the eye kind of fills in the gaps. Like so. perfect skin tone. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, perfect. I don't know what that means, but. Acceptable um, from a large scale. Acceptable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you like, there are ways to do it, you know, the quality of the work could probably have been improved if I had had a better, better paint, I guess. I don't know, but. um, And budget. But it, and yeah, but it worked. Yeah, I think that's always that fine dance in any creative process too. Mm -hmm. It's that balance of using what you have and making it work. And that's part of the creative process is being mm -hmm. creative with your tools where, okay, yes, in a perfect world with unlimited budget and all of the perfect materials at your fingertips, 
debatably you could say, oh, then I'd have a better outcome, yeah. but that's part of the creative process and part of the magic of being resourceful. I think that's a huge skill set that creatives have is being I resourceful with they have. Yeah. I mean, it is true in a sense that you get what you pay for, but also like having the biggest and most expensive tools and materials doesn't always necessarily translate to better art sometimes, but not always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus it can cut into your profit. And that's yeah. another thing to keep yeah, an sure eye is. on. It's like, if your painting budget is this, your labor is this, it's like, yeah. do you cut into your labor costs to get better paint? Yeah. But it does reduce my tax burden at the end of the year. So well, there's that. There you there's go. A silver lining. <laughs> Clearly from an entrepreneur's mind, always thinking <laughs> the jetted finances and taxes. <laughs> yeah. That's but, the bonus bonus section. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of murals though, what is that kind of timeline and process look like for you for any large scale mural process? Some of our listeners, um, whether they've had experience with murals or thinking about getting into it, can you share a little bit of what that process looks like for a mural project? Sure. Yeah. Well, typically I will uh, have somebody reach out to me by email or DM, which I generally prefer email because I sometimes don't check my Instagram DMs. Just FYI. But um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll get an email request for somebody. And, and these days it's usually like a interior designer who's working with a developer so it's a little bit longer like a, a longer process um but like just typically it'd be like somebody say like oh hey we have this you know we're x business we have this wall we want this con like this is the concept we're looking for and we love your work blah, blah 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 can you provide us a quote um and so then i'll i'll get you know i'll have a couple of questions i'll ask like what size is the wall is it indoors or outdoors like how is it is it accessible is it above a bar like that kind of stuff um and if the wall is constructed already i'll go and do a site visit like take a look at it because it's better for me to like you could tell me like the measurements but i can't visualize that so like i'll have to go mm -hmm. take a look at it and see actually how big it actually is um and then i'll take you know pictures and all kinds of stuff and then i'll go back and calculate my price which will be you know, a combination of like price per square foot market rate versus like what it would actually take to make it worth my while, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of a luxury of being at the stage that I am, um, is being able to factor like how much do I actually want for this project, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, you know, projects that I don't want get higher prices. <laughs> um, yeah. And so okay. like, so, it was like sometimes if I get, and, and so then if they accept it, then I'm like, awesome. Like I, at least I made one and a half to two times what I would have normally charged to for it, you know? Yeah. But, you um, kind of have to do that morale increase too of like, well, yeah. It's like, if I think this is going to be a pro a client that's open-minded and like wants to let me have some freedom, then like I factor that in, or if I think they're going to be very particular and they don't, they don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. then I'm like, okay, that's going to be like more money. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course, like I do on the back end, like honor the fact that they're paying me more. So like, I don't act like a, you know, I, honor their requests and like a, you know so i you know if, if i do charge more money then i don't get to have an attitude with them even if they're a pain so That's um, so there is a face yeah there's a little bit of a trade-off there but uh so yeah so like i quote them and then say they accept it and they think awesome uh, there's a contract signing process it's very important um and then i'll take like a design deposit up front which covers the design process and i usually take that in full payment up front just because it's mm -hmm. easier um and then uh 
the design process is like a back and forth process with the client. So like, I'll just say, here's my idea. Like, and then they'll just say like, we love it or like, oh, we like it, but it's not like, you know, it's not like blank enough, you know? And then yeah. I'll just take it back and forth. And so like, sometimes it'll be a long process and sometimes it'll be really quick and easy. Um, and then, um, then we'll schedule the, then we schedule the installation once. Like I do work with a lot of new construction. So it, it's like, it has to be, the building has to be built and the finished work has to be in. Um, so that just depends on the timing. But if the building's already built, then I'll just be like, yeah, I'm going to go out and paint it. And sometimes it takes, yeah, like, I mean, I think probably a week to two weeks on average to put it up. No. Um, so I, did I leave anything out? You can ask me follow-up questions. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is fantastic because mm -hmm. it definitely helps with the timeline of things versus say you're working with a small business owner directly where it's like, mm -hmm. are you available, you know, in September? Yeah, I'll be there this weekend. Boom, done. Mm -hmm. If you're yes, it's much, much more casual with small business owners. Exactly. Where you can say, here's the deposit, you know, give me the deposit. Mm -hmm. I'll get started. Boom, boom. Give me the rest when you finish. With these, there are so many other layers and so many other people involved mm -hmm. and the timelines like, oh, there was a delay in construction. It rained. They couldn't finish, you know, like you yeah. never know. And it just keeps mm -hmm. moving. But I love the idea how you mentioned you do take the design fee up front mm -hmm. because let's say that project goes down. Well, at least you got paid for something. But I am curious about one part of the process. Um, when you're talking about them, about the design, sure, maybe perhaps like, and now again, you've done this enough that they can see your portfolio and see the work that you do. But I'm trying to think too, if, you know, some of our listeners may be on the emerging side of things, but mm -hmm. um, are you doing more like physical or digital sketches when you're starting that conversation, assuming they're not necessarily familiar with your work, but say you have a picture of the wall, like, are you just kind of sketching on top and then showing that to them? And Yeah, I, my work process is almost entirely digital these days because it's just so much quicker. Um, so I can like... I'll usually before they sign anything, I'll offer like a, like a mood board or a back of napkin kind of thing, which if they're, if they're less familiar with my work, I can show them that I can, ideally that, you know, they've done the research before they've asked me, but, um, but you know, uh, I'll just be like, this is kind of the, the idea that I have or the vibe that I'm going for and offer that to them. And then they'll be like, yeah, we love that. And then I'll go into it with, with some rough sketches. I like to like, I mean, in the process, it depends on you know, what approach I'll do, whether I like draw something out or collage images together or like whatever, just kind of depends on how quick I need to iterate the idea, you know? Um, but I like to use all kinds of tools at my disposal. I'm pretty good at Photoshop. I've been using it since high school. <laughs> so, um, so I'll just draw it there or procreate the iPad program, which is very popular and very useful. Um, so yeah. Wait, and do you ever use Fresco? I don't use, I don't know Fresco actually. Oh, okay. All right. We can talk more, but Fresco mm -hmm. is like the procreate version of Adobe. So you can oh. start in Fresco, open Photoshop on your laptop and the files are there. Oh, that's oh. great. I just use AirDrop oh. to go back and forth between like <laughs> no. the procreate and, you and can the... export it with all your layers. That's pretty, oh, okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. You can I'll export, you like you, you can export to like, I think procreate does have cross compatibility with Photoshop because you can actually export a PSD file from there. But then it's also like the only drawback to it is if I bring it back into it, sometimes the file is too large and it crashes Procreate. So I'll let you that's investigate a bit of a pain. Fresco. 
yeah, yeah i mean i've, I've got i've got creative suite if it's in creative suite uh it is in creative suite i'll check it out oh yes it is yeah. oh yes it is because i can be like i'm in sorry we'll get back to the questions i promise but i can be in fresco sketch something um migrate it over to illustrator vectorize it and then go mm. over to photoshop and finish something or use it for something else so it's like they can talk to each other but i don't have to airdrop anything they're all in it's... the cloud the creative cloud so i can See, go that's, between i think that's the missing perfect. link in my workflow probably so <laughs> Anyways, I'll check it out. But like, you know, Procreate has excellent like response, like brush responsiveness. And they have like you can download brush packages from like um you know, like Caravaggio or whatever. And yeah, it'll be like because I've I've done there's a project that I just finished that's not installed yet, but like I did that entirely in Procreate using like a like um Albrick Dewar brush pack. And it looks nice. freaking awesome. So um, but maybe I could I mean, I've got like my Cintiq and everything. I, I forgot all the tools. Like every tool is great for its own use. Yep. Um, I'll let you go down that rabbit hole. Though, yeah, but... I'll check it out. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, might be worth Always exploring. Good. But one question I that I have is like we're talking about the design is how much does the client's input affect it? Like, can they go, oh, I don't like that color palette. Can you change it and, you're, and use these colors? And you're like, I don't use those colors. Like, mm. is it ever... Or, or do you have like enough creative freedom to just be like, no, that's not happening? Uh, yeah, they have, I mean, they have plenty of, every client has the right to make whatever request they want. And if I don't like it, I'll push back and, but I'll have to like reason why I was like, you know, I can't be like, no, I don't use those colors. You know, it's like, I, I can use any color, but I could just be like, there's a reason that I chose this palette and blah, blah, blah. Like I run into that with pink a lot. Like, cause I, cause I could use like pink, but some clients think it's too to something like i don't know um like, i don't like the pink I'm like well lots of people like the pink but all right you don't like the pink so we'll change it you know um but that's you know it, it depends like a lot of most clients i work with are very easygoing and whatever like they hire me because they don't have the ideas so i present the ideas and they're like that's awesome um but some are more like controlling which is fine um they and i think that all those yeah, that goes back to, I think, the pricing that you mentioned of, mm -hmm. especially having that experience, you can kind of probably tell up front who may be a little bit more in control or want to be in control. And so mm -hmm. you unfortunately probably have learned from experience. There's one or two projects of feeling maybe you weren't getting paid enough for X, Y, Z, or when you're building your reputation of then knowing, okay, if I were to do this again, I would want to be charging more well yeah i mean my contract changes every time i have a project because there's always something that i'm like oh that's not in there you need to put that in there you know um and so there are safeguards against like clients that are overworking you but luckily like mm -hmm. i don't i don't really have to enforce those very often um like the biggest one is like if you the biggest one would be like if like change requests like um mm -hmm it would be like an option to modify. It's like, if, if this is the outline of our agreement, this is the scope of the work that we agreed to. If you have anything to add to that, it will incur an additional cost. Mm -hmm. And I've never had to enforce it. Since I have put that in my contract, I've never had to enforce it. So you just have to like energetically kind of put that into your, into your, you know, scope. And then people are like, oh, I, 
you know what you're talking about. I have to respect your time and blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing with contracts. We actually have podcast episodes talking about the importance of contracts, mm-hmm. especially for some artists who may be emerging or new to maybe they've never done a mural before. So they kind of like diminish the value that they are bringing to the table. Yeah. But I think a contract is, it's so important. I mean, it's of course establishes the set of like how the relationship is going to go. It legitimizes, of course, the value you're bringing mm-hmm. and educates the other party on how this process looks like. And this is what the workflow is. We're not just like winging this process because they might also not know that like 35 revisions is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. And you can of course also decide when, okay, they're truly being maybe too opinionated or Mm -hmm. overbearing versus, Mm -hmm. okay, technically this cost, this revision has a cost. Mm -hmm. They've been a great client and super awesome. So you're not going to charge them for it. Like you can also choose to enforce. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like anything. Most people are reasonable. Yeah. Um, but I also will say it's like, if you devalue yourself, like if you come to the table with like this insecurity of like, I just need to get the, you know, get the work, uh, then you're going to get taken advantage of. And it's not because they're like predatory. It's just like, you bring that, like, that's what you're presenting. And so people kind of have the idea that they can just make these requests of you that you might not feel comfortable with, but you haven't you haven't, you haven't told them up front who you are and like what you're about, you know? So having a contract, like, doesn't make you a, like, like you really don't have to have like an, like a F you attitude about it. You just have to say like, these are the terms. And like, we're entering into a working agreement together. And like, I'm going to respect your terms. You're going to respect my terms. So, and then it's, it's very like happy go lucky after that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think it helps with the gray area. Like most mm-hmm. people like structure and understanding this is like, how this is going to work. This is how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. It's the gray area where it gets messy. So mm-hmm. you as the artist, if you establish that up front, it just makes it a better experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think clients are more comfortable too, like knowing that, you know, like you clearly know what you're doing and you have your terms and like, there's no ambiguity. And if they, and they are much more respectful in that and much more like uh, attentive too, to be like, oh yeah, like, are we, you know, are we asking too much? Cause this is like, this might cost something. It's like, if they try to take into account, like they're budget too and they're right especially as you deal with businesses i mean they're used to Mm -hmm. the world of contracts artists may be a little shy about it but um i am curious with of course we're talking about all these things you've had to add to your contracts over time and learning experiences um but with large-scale murals what is a challenge that you feel like you've had to overcome with painting large-scale murals that you didn't expect and how did you overcome it i think the biggest the most unexpected challenge was the interpersonal challenge of uh painting like I think you, you know, when you're an artist, you're kind of like up in your own space and you really need your like your, your little orb of focus and everything. And when you're painting large scale and in public, like people want to talk to you and they don't care if you're busy and they, they may not even notice if you're, that you're actually like working. It does like, does not occur to them that you're like actually doing something very labor intensive and focus intensive. So they'll be like, Hey, you know, like, Come, come down off your lift and answer these like one of three questions that I know it's going to be, you know, it's like, what's that going to be? Are you working on that yourself? How long is it going to take? And, or like, are you getting paid? You know? And like a lot of those times, like people are like, like I am present enough to know that it's like people aren't asking the questions because they really want to know the answer to the question. They're trying to engage, but they don't have any more elevated framework for engaging with you, you know? So it's just like, oh, what's that? Like, 
it's the low hanging fruit questions. Like they just, uh, they just kind of want to be like, they see something and it's, they're drawn to it and they want to be a part of it, but they're kind of like idiotic about how they do it. uh And so like, in the past, like in the past, I still have trouble because I'm just like, God, leave me the hell. Like, it seems so like it occurs to me as so disrespectful, but I know that Mm -hmm. it's not, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So in the past, I have been I have been quite unpleasant to people who approach me in that way. Um, But the, you know, the the problem is that they come away with it. That is an impression of you. So Mm -hmm. like I could be like, you're like, like, (laughs) you know, I can think all day long that they're out of line and inappropriate and everything. But if I'm like, you know, if I shout at them, then they're going to think I'm a total a-hole and that's like that's gonna be that's gonna stick you know um you ever put on so headphones i have yeah it doesn't it like doesn't the make big it. i i put on the biggest headphones that i own and it still doesn't always keep people at bay you know i've like literally tried all the things um but <laughs> and it sometimes works but it just doesn't always work and and that's like you know i've had i had an occasion where like I had like barriers up, like cones and tape and everything, Ooh. and people would climb over it to like. And so I had I had like barriers up. I'd be like work like close to the wall with my headphones on, like actually in the throes of working, and people would like climb over and like oh live me. And like I have that. I mean, that is really out of line, and I think I, it is deserving of a reaction when that ha- kind of thing happens. Yeah, that's but, like a uh, safety you know, hazard. At yeah, that I mean, I'm like, I had a like, it was a, like a guy. Like this one particular occasion was like a, a a guy, like in a motorcycle vest and stuff like that. And I'm like, I he comes up in my blind spot, like over my, and I'm just like, I I kind of just like flip and lose it on him, and like he's uh-huh. like, oh, like I just wanted to take a picture, and I'm like, get the fuck out of my space, like go away, get out, get lost, dude. Like, and I felt bad about it, but it's also like that's just that's like a fight or flight response right there because that's just a safety concern but like that's the kind of thing that people will will do when they're like that excited about your yeah. you know and people have like shaken my lift before like standing like like hey hey hey, hey. like oh. i'm like yeah what and they're like excellent work i'm like really like thanks like, like go to my instagram you know? and send me a dm yeah I'll it's like maybe never see it but yeah you i mean are it, real good. that's just <laughs> so challenging it's, it is so challenging to deal with and and a lot of times like i like i feel like right like in my reaction but even if i'm right in my reaction like i still have to deal with that you know mm-hmm. and so i can't mm-hmm. just i can't just flip out on everybody who violates my personal space mm-hmm. <laughs> alas it's part of it no 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 i can relate and i think some uh some other artists will relate to especially if they do plein air painting uh outdoors Mm -hmm. where you'll have people just sneaking up to you and just Mm -hmm. taking photos while you paint outdoors Mm -hmm. and you're like where the hell did you come from Mm -hmm. and not only do they ask some of the same questions you did the the offending one the one that i find the worst out of all of them Mm -hmm. is when they pull out the phone and say i have a niece nephew neighbor cousin Mm -hmm. grandkid whatever it is let me show you they make art too and they just start flipping through hundreds of photos on their phone to find the one mm-hmm. and it's not even that great and you're just like did i just yeah. waste like i just lost my painting mojo over you yeah i don't and- i don't get that one very often i mean i have had uh thank goodness i have had like yeah thank goodness um i do have a lot of like oh i have uh you know i have do you have a card like i have a living room i'd like painted you know that kind of stuff and i'm like oh, yeah like you can email me 
cool. you know like i don't do shit like that but whatever um and, but then like you know i'll have i have had like younger artists come up and be like well you look at my work you know like while i'm uh-huh. painting and i'm like i have to be i have to be like like not not right now friends like you know um because that's I like miss well, like you know you're just trying to get like i see i understand what you're trying to do but like that's not you know now's not the time um but but yeah it's like i do get stuff like that but like the top 10 questions are along the lines of like how do you do it like like how do you do that kind of questions uh mm-hmm. are you making a living from this kind of questions like how long have you been doing it how long is it going to take to do it like all that, like mm-hmm. that, those kinds of basic questions but those are fair questions from people who like don't understand how it works but but like like i i have it takes all my energy just to be out there like doing mm-hmm. like putting the work up like i just don't have it to have the space to like talk to people and some people like some people are more outgoing and extroverted and like get like get a kick out of talking to people and i i, I envy those people sometimes <laughs> but um are you more of an introvert um, taylor introvert. <laughs> yes yeah. introverted but you can't talk about art yeah well i actually really don't like talking about my art it's very it's an interesting paradox like on in this context it's great but you know it's like in general what are you what are you working on lately i'm like can we talk about like anything else yeah you're like this then it slowly becomes like a therapy session sometimes too if you really like were to get into the like thick of your work and everything and you're just so in your process all the time yeah your casual conversation you're like i don't want to think about work like it is work <laughs> it is work it's like always it's like uh, it's like there's more to life than my art you know like there's more to me as a person like there's more things that mm-hmm. i'm interested in um uh the the deeper existential questions can we talk about that like can we talk about like i don't know anything else um <laughs> yeah. but i but i get yeah. that like like if i can change the subject i get on like i can get very spirited but then if it's like what tell me about your art i'm like oh god like yeah and it, it needs like, to be a little more organic and then i kind of turn into like a little bit of a shut like i'm just like it's fine you know like one word you're working on what are you working on lately oh yeah a bunch of stuff you know stuff yeah and people like people ask me because they're interested and because it's kind of sometimes one of the only ways that they know to like it's like the only thing they know about me so it's like the only thing they know to ask about mm. yeah too you know because it's like i'm like the ar- artist like right and i have to be like i should i should have some gratitude for that also it's a it's really annoying (laughs) yep that's just the truth of it you know we understand jackie and i both have public facing studios at art space so a lot Mm -hmm. of these challenges you're discussing we have them too i Mm -hmm. mean our doors are open and people come in and Mm -hmm. a lot of those same 10 questions you were talking about we get them too especially if we have something on the easel or on the wall that says work in progress yeah questions but it's almost like I think the difference is when they're asking you, you're working, working, when they're asking us, a lot of times we have the door open, otherwise we close it. So we're right. prepared for those questions and for the educational element mm-hmm. of like helping them understand what we do and the value yeah. in the art. So that's, that's a little different. That's like, but I've had them where I have my door closed and somebody opens it if I left it unlocked while I'm painting yeah. with their phone now. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, Obviously, so that's like, like a boundary. That's a boundary issue. I'm like, that's that's when you like, this is a you problem and not a me problem. Like, yeah, go, go away. Like, yeah. I am so sorry. Please knock <laughs> on the door. I have to go. Uh, have a nice day. Here's my card. Bye. Yeah. But uh, before we keep going on on this one, because I definitely love this conversation, mm-hmm. I have two things. The first one is, I think this is just a humble suggestion. 
big sign with a QR code that says FAQ. <laughs> That's actually a great idea. And I have, they're I think flagging I will, you down, yeah, you point to point. the big QR code sign. And yeah. then that way, those 10 questions, they can ask, and it has your contact info, yeah. the official. Yeah. And then that way you can send them to that and you can mime it. Like, yeah. Um, okay. You have a question? Yeah. 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 Point. And then you don't have to stop what you're doing. You just yeah. point at it and like keep your headphones on. And then the other one is, um, I don't know. You said you have a uh, pretty regular projects coming on. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, how do you keep them organized? Do you have any <laughs> apps or technology or just paper calendar? It's fine. But how do you keep track of all the things that are coming up? I'm thinking, especially since some of them have longer deadlines mm -hmm. with different milestones in them. I know for a lot of creatives, they're like, I just want to paint. I don't want to keep track of what date, what follow up, what email, like oh, when do I just start this wall or whatever? Because mm -hmm. commission projects are obviously very, very similar to mural projects in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, how do you keep them organized? It's a challenge. Um, it's, it kind of, it kind of just works out. I, I, it's rare that I have like two projects that absolutely have to get done in the same time, at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and things are, things always de get delayed and you know, I'm actually in a season right now where a lot of my projects that were supposed to fall now, like, have been delayed for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I have, like, a big gap of time that I didn't account for. So, like, you know, that's just kind of part of part of the. And, and then, of course, they're all going to all the delays are going to get fall at the same time. So, like, I'm anticipating that. But then you just have to, like, that's when you just have to declare how it's going to be. It's like, I can do this one this time. I can do that one that time. I can do that one that time. And you try to work with people to get them what they need, but it can't always be. Sometimes you just have to be like, sorry, I was ready to paint it in March, like we said, but you didn't get the permit. So now I'm not available. Like now we have to wait for the next like gap in my schedule and people are understanding, you know? Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, I can, I can work on like maybe three projects at once if i'm in the design phase um and so you just like set you know set meeting times and then prioritize which, yeah it's like my you know my notes app has a to-do list on it with bullet points and then my email like the great thing is now like people send zoom invites and it exports straight to my calendar so like i don't really yep. have to do much there but i'm just like okay well this meeting is coming up first i got these three projects but this meeting is coming up first so i gotta work on this one first it's just kind of like prioritizing um but yeah i mean sometimes i don't even I, i'm like how does this how is it possible that is that everything seems to just work out i don't know like with the scheduling no, this is good. um it just does no, this is this is perfect. This is good yeah. news for people that might be worried. Like, will I be doing seven murals at once? You don't have to. But you don't have, I mean, um, you, you just can't. So you just be like, listen, I've got. Like, <laughs> and it's also like clients will sometimes have more like reverence for you if they know that you're busy. So they're like, oh, like I know you're busy. Like I don't want to blah blah. But that's true. And then it's a higher demand too. Like yeah. they want the artist that mm -hmm. has a lot of things down the pipeline. So mm -hmm. the perception increases value and does increase the value of it too. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think something that I'm working now. towards now is like, I, I would like to position myself more as somebody who's like a little harder to come by like the work. Mm -hmm. So it's more valuable because like, you know, you don't want to be everywhere. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a value in being prolific, but it's also like, it can get, you know, it's like, oh, there's that artist again, you know, like, mm -hmm. so if and then people feel like more like they have something of higher value if if there's fewer of them around you know um no, absolutely but well, so i'm thinking about like a lot about the... context 
the context in which they work. Because like when you're younger, you're like, I just want to get the bag and you know, like get all as many projects as possible. But like, I'm like, I don't really like now. I need to prioritize the context in which that because that creates the it creates the story around the work, not just the paint on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you may have answered some of that already, but one of the questions we like to ask every guest is, how do you define success as an artist? Mm. Sounds like well, a lot of that has to do with being in demand. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, what are your what are your goals and priorities and are you meeting them? You know, so it's like, are you are you doing what you want to be doing consistently? Are you getting the pay that you want? Um, are you like, uh, you know, do you have the name recognition that you want in the market that you like, are you a local, are you, do you want to be like really well-known locally or do you want like global projects, you know? Um, and so like, if the answer is yes to like most of those questions, then I would say you're successful. Like, are you, are you not stressed? Like, are you like, how's your stress? Like, are you sleeping? Like, I mean, I don't know. I like wake up every day and I live at my studio. So like I, go do my work and then I take breaks whenever I want and then I schedule my travel whenever I want to schedule it and or whenever I can you know uh and I do exciting projects and I get paid good money so like yeah I would say I'm successful but in terms of like global dominance not successful at all you know what I mean in progress it just depends it's like if I'm comparing myself to you know shepherd fairy then I'm not successful but if I'm you know if I'm comparing myself to like whether or not I'm meeting my like you know what my values are and what my priorities are and if I'm like checking those boxes then I'm very successful yeah yeah and the freedom of having that independence and choosing how Mm -hmm. you spend your time and that flexibility I know is huge for so many people and I love pointing out like you get to set your metrics for success Mm -hmm. so if you are setting goals and hitting those goals then that is how you can gauge your success Mm -hmm. but Thinking back to when you first got started on your creative journey, what is one piece of advice that you wish you had heard before you got started on your creative journey? I think, well, if I'd heard it, I don't know if I would have heeded it or not, but uh, I would say like the piece of advice that I would offer to people who are emerging is like, don't be a slave to your ambition. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like, when you're young, like when I was a young an emerging artist, um, uh, I was, I would say I was like very anxious and eager and like ego driven, you know, cause I was like hot shit because I was very good at art. I've always been very good at art and I was like always slightly better than everyone around me, you know? And like, I had this like idea that many people carry about like the, the mystique of like the art, the artist, you know? Um, but I was also like deeply insecure about my work. Um, and looking back rightfully so, cause it was, a lot of it wasn't very good, but like, um, but it was just kind of like you would, I found myself like striving so much for like, gotta get the, you know, gotta get the bag, gotta get in it, gotta get the next project, gotta get paid, gotta get my work out there, gotta get the attention, uh, that I was like not present and not, in, not appreciative of the moments that I had like back and then I look back on now and I'm like wow like I was like in my young 20s like living and living all over the world and like blah 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 and I was like so up my own ass you know 
that I just didn't like, I didn't have the appreciation for where I was and what I was doing. Um, and, you know, like I get, uh, like, you know, once you kind of like loosen up and stop being so protective of your identity as an artist, like the flow starts becoming more easily and like the opportunities start coming to you more. And like, like you've really got to be like present and social and like a, like a good person. I see like, and I see a lot of that reflected in some younger artists where they're like, you know, like get bent out of shape if they don't get tagged properly on their, like the pictures of their work on Instagram and stuff like that. And I'm like, where's that coming? Like, where's that really coming from? You know, like, mm -hmm. is that like, are you, are you like holding on too tight? Mm -hmm. And like, what do you, like, what do you feel like you're going to lose if like a picture of your artwork floats around in the internet without your name attached to it? You know, mm -hmm. like, it's a really, like, you really have to ask yourself some of those serious, like spiritual questions of like, what does it actually, what does it actually mean in the end? Like, are you, like, what are you actually focused on? And so I think like focusing on your like always improving the quality of your work, focusing on like thinking of your work as a service because it is like, um, you know, I still, I'm like, I always focus on like doing the best possible work and now I always focus on like making every project just a little bit better than the last one. Um, but it's not so much anymore about like, what's everybody else doing? Like, am I making as, not, as, mu as much money? Am I, do I have an, as much attention? Do I have as many followers? Um, like all of that sort of inconsequential stuff. Um, that that just like yields all of this like negative emotion, you know, mm -hmm. like stress that's not like and stress is stress will kill you. So like you just want to stop being stressed as much as and in as many ways as you can. So I love that advice, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's one we like to repeat, and a lot of other creatives that we've interviewed on the podcast will repeat too. It's like only person you need to be comparing yourself to is yourself, mm -hmm. not others. And it's mm -hmm. like focusing on your work, being authentic, like mm -hmm. those are some of the more important things to look at mm -hmm. as opposed to how many followers do I have and what's my outward appearing reputation? Because honestly, does it really matter? Like if the folks that are really hiring you are folks that are say placemakers, right? Art mm -hmm. consultants, people, are they the ones that are tagging stuff? Like not necessarily, yeah. but it doesn't matter. They know about you, they know what they want and they want you to do something that they can't do. So that, yeah, other, that's exactly other... right. It's like if you're if your your work is good, it speaks for itself. It's out there, and and also like people are going to remember you as the person you are too, not just like as mm -hmm. as the number of projects that you have or the amount of times they appear on Instagram, like with your proper credit or whatever, like or you know any of those like kind of false metrics of success. Like I think I I remember like some of my biggest regrets in my career are like the times that I was in some place like Miami and working so hard in the rat race to like do work in Miami so that I could say that I did, you know, um, building that resume. Yeah. Ball. It's like, Oh, I've, I've painted in my, like I'm here. I am painting. Cause there's like so many artists just like scuttling around trying to get their work on a wall. And I was used to be one of them, you know? And then like one day I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not having fun. And mm -hmm. like the whole point of being here is to like engage with other artists and I'm not doing that because I'm so focused on like how how am I doing like how's my work yeah. looking at am I like do I have the right project do I have like the cred you know um and I so I stopped doing that I was just like I'm never doing this again because I, I missed so many valuable opportunities because I was so busy hustling you know mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to like get to know people you know um and so I stopped doing that and I still go to Miami every year and I like don't I I don't work um and I have the best time because you're just like, the whole point is 
warmth and person of like being a person and like getting like getting to see people that you don't get to see that you love you know mm-hmm. um meeting new people and the opportunities from that are like tenfold and they come later you know so um yeah and from building those relationships other projects could come organically so instead of you hustling for it you're focusing on the relationship side of it mm-hmm. and somebody might be like hey we love your stuff mm-hmm. you've been in our circle you know do you want to do this project as opposed to you like can I have your wall? Can I have your wall? Can I have Absolutely. your wall? Absolutely. And it happened. Like, it happened. like you know, it's like then you're just like you put a wall up in Miami and then it's just like just another wall in Miami, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless it's a, you know, there are certain contexts, there's back to context in which it's valuable to still do. Like there's certain projects in Miami that I would definitely take if I was offered them, but I'm not just going to go like and do something just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put another mm-hmm. notch on the belt. But yeah. One of the and, that, and you know, like what you said is like it does happen. Like, it, like I have had projects pay off just from like being willing to, to let go of having to prove myself in Miami or anywhere really like then and to be like I'm the payoff is going to come later so like I'm gonna like be my like be myself and be personable and be you know whatever and I would end up with mural projects later in the year from that you know exactly exactly building relationships so and even if I don't have Uh mural projects I have like enough like you know I like like friends all over the world that like I could could call on at any time so it's like it's not just about like putting my name up on the wall ever anymore yeah. you know relationships are a lot more important but taylor one question we like to ask all our guests is if someone randomly hands you a hundred bucks what would you splurge it on or invest in it has to be something that brings you joy and it relates to your art or business someone just gave me a hundred bucks like, oh man yeah. uh let's see uh you know i like i always like to spend i always like to like learn new things like new tools or stuff like that so i would take part of that money and i would probably buy like an online course from somebody like i like you know like you could go on like proco or some like website like that and like where artists will make courses and like present their courses and like i've learned from a couple of different artists that way and it's like a nice way to like get an insight into their technique and then support them too so um i've done that a couple of times and i would probably do that and then i'd probably just buy more paint <laughs> I love that. I need to like I need new brushes anyway and so like 50 bucks of that could go or 50 to 75 bucks could go towards brushes and like the rest of it could go towards like learning from another artist I love that especially with the education and supporting mm-hmm. other artists with your education yeah. it goes a long way but thank you so much Taylor for being on the Dang. podcast today this has been so much fun a lot of gems have been shared um but for our listeners how can they stay in contact with you after they listen to today's episode well, please follow me on Instagram because I need more followers. Um, <laughs> Got to have more than my peers. Uh, yeah. Speaking of success metrics. Yeah. It's up. at Taylor White Studio on Instagram. That's pretty much, that's pretty much my primary communication. You'll never find me on TikTok. <laughs> never say never. It won't, it won't happen. I'm a, I'm against it. Religiously <laughs> against it. awesome we'll definitely make sure to link your instagram on the show notes um also would you mind staying with us a few extra minutes of course so we can discuss income streams uh and pricing for bonus Mm -hmm. segment for podcast supporters perfect awesome so for our listeners if you want to become a podcast supporter head on over to levelupartist.com to find out how you too can support the podcast fund our projects and level up the quality of the content that you are receiving And if you want to stay connected with us in between episodes, share your feedback, or have a question you would like for us to answer on the podcast, 
You can reach us through social media at Madame Art across all platforms. And I'm at J Sanders Studio on all platforms. And if you want to follow the podcast, we are at Level Up Artists on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.